It's been a long year of reckoning and change for so many businesses around the questions of diversity, equity and inclusion. 2020 brought so many unjust social events and of course at the epicentre was the terrible murder of George Floyd. I guess now's an interesting moment to look back at how organisations responded with DE&I programmes and ask, is it working? So Brent and Heidi, welcome. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. So obviously what happened to George Floyd was horrendous. How is that translated into business and into organisations that you are working with? Well, it was fairly interesting at the time, if I think about the first 24 hours right afterwards, particularly here in New York and in the arts sector, you had all arts clients going black. You had across multiple sectors, social media going black to show solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. And you had huge promises put in place of investment into diversity, equity, and inclusion, creating roles, creating initiatives. So that was the kickoff. And you probably remember one of the key themes that came out of this was defund the police was a call for everybody that we need to defund the police. The police should not have so many resources that has since been hopefully modified and adjusted because, yeah. yes, the police do abuse their power, but they're also given the responsibility and accountability to do more than they need to. They are not social workers. They are not homeless outreach, but that's what they have been tasked to do. And out of all of that came a greater call for diversity, equity and inclusion. And that's where we're talking today. Has that call and that response given us anything at this point? Or is there still too much work to do? And I think one of the interesting statistics I read recently was that $8 billion, B, billion, has been spent in the last year on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Wow. wow. And if you're looking at this in a really commercial model, so we spent $8 billion. What did we buy with it? I think I might be very New York and say bupkas. I think we would have been better giving out Halloween bags with a couple bucks in them than what <laughs> I've seen as a payoff for $8 billion in investment. Well, how does that $8 billion manifest itself in business resources? What, what is that $8 billion bought? I think what we've seen primarily, is, as with many things, Organizations assume that training is going to change behavior. Right. So they created diversity and equity and inclusion and bias training and a lot of different training modalities to solve a problem that is a culture problem. It is a behavior problem. And training does not solve those problems alone. It is part of what you need to do. Okay. But it is not the answer. And, and it plays kind of interestingly into our biased, but I think data-founded belief that training can't change something if the ecosystem you're in doesn't allow you to improve things. So why are you giving, to be somewhat rude, biased training to someone 
who's stuck within mechanisms of hiring, retention, rewards, promotion, all of those mechanisms of an organization, none of those have been shifted. Instead, all you've said is the people within the system who have no authority over that system, they've said, you're bad. You're the person who's driving this. Yeah. I don't want to be completely negative either. There are some organizations that are doing great things. Yes. Uh, there are sectors that are trying to make real valid adjustments. And yes, this has been a problem, not just in America, but this has been a problem globally for the last hundred years, where is everything equitable in business and in society? Absolutely not. And no. it doesn't matter where you live. I think the only place you can say everything is equitable would be maybe North Korea. Everybody <laughs> right. has the same it's nothing. equitably bad. Yeah. Yes. They, yeah. they all have the same nothing, except the politicians have <laughs> yeah, and everyone else has not. So is it equitable? Even a complete society that is treated equally bad still has inequality. So... Are we going to solve that with training? Are we going to solve that in a simple way? Absolutely not. But people are making the right moves in the right direction, but throwing money at it does not solve the problem. And I would also say I think that standalone training, and there is data behind this, standalone training does not improve beyond a very minimal point. And if anything, it can also have backlash if you've brought someone into a room and taught them, you need to be part of the solution, examine your bias, be a better person, right. and they walk out and they can't be, they then become cynical and you end up with a backlash to it. And of that's course. not just with DE&I training, that happens with leadership training and numerous other <laughs> topics within organizations as well. How, besides training, would you, what's the orgology solution for raising awareness on those subjects. We did some really interesting work with a nonprofit in the arts sector. And the leadership did go through a consciousness raising training that really looked at what does it mean to be anti-racist. But at the same time, in the piece that we did that I thought was interesting, this arts organization makes grants to artists. And we went through their application process with a fine-tooth comb with the widest selection of people from that arts sector to really look at the selection process for grants and say, how are we getting people in the door? How are we greeting them? How are we lowering the barriers of entry for people who are differently abled from different backgrounds, perhaps with learning disabilities? Are we making this truly equitable to all applicants? Right. And I think that type of solution is transferable to almost any organization, is taking a real clear look, and this is whether it's your promotion process or your intake or your recruiting process, and being brutally honest how are we lowering the barriers so that everyone has a fair shot? Yeah. We did it in a way that wasn't 
a model following affirmative action where you want to disperse the inclusion across groups. What we wanted to do is make sure that there was no filter to filter anyone out. Right. So that everybody had the equal opportunity to get in through the process, which is a very select process, but there has to be a way to allow people in. One of the challenges, and we read about this prior pandemic, is that there were large organizations like Amazon and Google, and when they were doing their recruiting, the algorithm would select people out based on their name or the school they went to or the gender. So that was filtering people out. We wanted to make sure that there were no filters in place. From a business point of view, it does seem to me that diversity, equity and inclusion not only leads to a more harmonious work environment, but doesn't it also give a better understanding of of your market? I mean, whether it's the creation of products, services or the marketing of those, surely employees with their intimate understanding of their Latino, Hispanic, Asian or black culture is is really a, a valuable business asset. It's yeah. and the, the the answer that would take us into another podcast, but I find interesting is if you go and Google about and look at why did 9-11 occur? Part of the answer to that is intelligence services in the United States were made up of all people with the same point of view and the same right. life experience. Bottom line up front, we have better business results when our teams see different perspectives and insights. So Heidi, what's on the agenda for next week's show? I would say in one word. I always love those sort of what was the word of the year and what sums up our words. So let's have a look at that. In one word. It's like some cryptic clue. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Heidi and Brent. All right. All we'll right. see you soon. Chat later. Chat later.